If you have a copy of God's Word, uh, why don't you go to the book of Job chapter 1. We are starting our Christmas series by going to Job chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, like that's okay. Um, it'll be on the screen. Um, and if you are like kind of new to the Bible and you have like an actual Bible and you're, you're trying to find it in version, whatever it is, um, it's in the middle. It's like right before Psalms, but it's, it's right in the middle of the Bible itself, okay? While you're turning there, I'd love to kind of ask this question, and, and you can just kind of do a raise of hands, but how many of y'all would say that you have been in the game of Christianity, like you, you have been a Christian for a long time, either your whole life or for a good portion of your life, or, but you have, you have been a Christian for a long time. Let's just, let's actually want to kind of see. Okay, that's most, okay, okay, okay. So most of us in the room would say they've probably been a Christian for most of their life. And there's kind of good and, and bad things that come from that. I mean, the good way outweigh the bad. But like, especially if you've been in the game for a minute, you know, you know, things like um, you got a couple of verses memorized. You know where Job is. You know, like if someone was to ask you a hard question, you kind of have like the, this is what I'm supposed to say when you ask me this hard question. Like we have all the churchy answers, right? Like, like you know, like you know the stories. Like you know, Jesus came, born in the barn, um, died on the cross, rose again, Easter, Christmas. That's that's kind of the whole thing. Like you know the stories, right? And if a friend was to ask you, like, "Hey, man, like, why do like bad things happen to like good people?" Whether you believe it or not, you still kind of have like a good idea of like what you're supposed to say. You know, we have all the the coffee mug kind of sayings that we're supposed to say. We just be like, "Man, you just let go and let God." Like, you know, you just gotta. You just got to, you, what is it? How's it go? Um, God is good and all the time. You know that. I mean, you're a saint if you know it, right? Or you, what? Amen? Yeah, you say amen. Like if someone's talking to you like while they're grieving, you just like you have like the squint and the nod. You know when to grunt the right way. Just amen. Yeah, amen. God gives you his toughest battles for your strongest will. You got, you got the verse in the bio, you're, you're, you're quoting like Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, like right before your swim meet, that's not what that verse is about, but like, that's what I'm saying, like, you know, you know the things, you know how to act, you know how to, you know what to wear, you know kind of, do you go to church on Sundays, you, you know how to play the game, right, and there, there's kind of a, a little bit of a disconnect, though, when it comes to, like, if we were asked, like, why, you know, why does bad thing happen? Like, why do bad things happen? Why is life hard for me right now? Like, whatever it is, you know kind of what to say. But when bad things are happening in your life, then you kind of, like, you know, again, I'm supposed to probably read this verse, or I kind of know what I'm supposed to say. I know if I was being asked this, this is what I would say. But if we're being really honest, when life sucks, we don't, like, encourage ourselves, like, yeah, you know, like, all things happen for good. We like ask God, like God, why? Why is this happening? Or why has this happened to me? Or in the future, like why will this happen? Like like all these things, like and so we get like real like again, we're being really honest. When life gets hard, the rules kind of go out the window when it comes to this is what I'm supposed to encourage myself. Other people's gonna take the place of God. So why are we talking about this? We are in a Christmas series, right? We're, we're gonna start this whole thing talking about Jesus in a manger. 
and yet we're going to Job. And yet we're talking about, like, why does bad stuff happen? Like, how, do, how does that have to do with, like, Jesus being in a manger with, with the, the sheep and the wise men and the shepherds and all of that stuff? The reason why they were starting there is because um, if, you're, if you're like me, if you grew up in church, you know the story. You even know, like, Luke chapter 2 is where you're supposed to go to read the story and everything like that. Um, there's a, a, a downside of kind of growing up in church because, like, you hear this story. And it just kind of sounds like a story, and it doesn't move you anymore. Like, the idea that God came to the earth and was born in a manger is like, yeah, I know that. But we're not, like, amazed by it anymore. We're not like, this is an insane thing that God came to the earth. And so I'm not trying to, like, start this with trying to blow anyone's minds. I'm trying to be like, hey, like, in order to kind of understand God coming to the earth, I want to I first start by talking about, like, who is God? Like, what did God do? Like, who is God? What has he done in the Bible? And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in the book of Job. But in this story is also a story of this guy who is suffering. And so then tonight where we're going is it's like we're going to talk about who God is while being in the story of Job that also includes, like, how to suffer, you know, in this life. What happens? How do we deal with suffering, okay? And so our big idea for tonight is this. It's the whole sermon, the whole message in one sentence is this. When life is hard, we can either trust God or we can doubt God. Every person here, like when, when life is hard, either life has been hard, life currently is hard, or life will be hard in the future, you can choose. Are you going to trust God or are you going to doubt God? And so we're going to see this in the book of Job, okay? So if you're new or maybe you just don't know like kind of this like background to the book of Job is no one really knows when it was written. No one knows who it was written by. There's a lot of stuff that we just don't know about the book of Job. Job didn't write it. it the, the book is just about this guy named Job. Um, but Job was this, it starts in chapter one, that like Job was this rich guy, but he was also super faithful, meaning like he obeyed God. He loved God. He followed God, all this stuff like that. And he was rich and he lived in this area that wasn't even in Israel. So he's kind of like an outsider in the first place. But there's just all this mystery in kind of Job. And what's actually really cool for us is that makes it way more relatable. This isn't some king. This isn't some queen. This isn't some, like, fancy person. This was a normal guy in the middle of nowhere. And so what happens is, is Job is just doing his thing, and he loves God. And then we're going to start in uh, Job chapter 1, starting in verse 6. This is, this is what the Bible says. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Don't really know what that means. It's a different so uh, sermon for a different day, but we're going to go on. Uh, God asked, hey, hey, where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, well, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. And look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test me, the Lord said to Satan. 
do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Okay? So it's a wild story, but what happens is in the rest of chapter 1, Satan, it's wild. You want to talk about a bad day? Here's what happens. Satan kills all of the Job's livestock. So all the things that he had to like, like harvest and, and do the grain stuff and all these things. So like all of his workforce instantly dead. And then Satan killed all of his sheep. So boom, all the food's gone. And Satan killed all of this guy's camels. So all of his transportation's gone. And then Satan killed all of his servants. So all of his employees are gone. And then it finishes in the same day, Job finds out all this stuff happened and all of his sons and all of his daughters died too. You want to talk about a bad day? That's a bad day. That, that is a very, very, very bad day. And so what are, what are we going to see there? We're, the whole point, and again, the whole reason why we're talking about this, because I want to talk about God. And so point number one, um, if you're taking notes, is this, that God is in charge. Now, how do we see that in, in this story, in Job chapter one? Because the wildest thing that you can kind of read from here is not necessarily how big and bad Satan is. The wildest thing you can see here is that Satan goes to God for permission to do what he's going to do. Meaning, like Satan had to ask God, hey, can I do this? And God says, yes, you can. And the, the same thing, the same God is true today as it was wh whenever this happened, that literally Satan has to ask permission from God to do anything. And so everything that happens in your life either happens because God did it or God allowed it to happen. And that is how powerful God is. Like God is literally in charge of everything. And so let, let, let's talk about this though. There's, there's kind of three little things that I want to kind of take away when it comes to like, for what does this mean for me? Like how, how do I view the bad stuff that happens to me? Okay. Either the bad stuff that has happened, the bad stuff that is currently happening, or the bad stuff that will happen. So the first thing that I really just like we have to know is that there is nothing that surprises God. Nothing surprises God. Like God is extremely aware of everything that happens in your life. Like, like think like big picture, like COVID didn't surprise God. The whole like Ukraine war didn't surprise God doesn't surprise God. And you can see this in Job where like, again, all of like all of the things that died in Job's life, not a single one surprised God because God signed off, like our God approved saying, hey, I'm going to allow this to happen. God is so aware of every single area of all of our lives. And this isn't just a Job story. Like check this out in Exodus chapter two, um, Israel is in captivity in the, in the country of Egypt. And here's what happens. In verse 23, it says, during, uh, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groans and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. Meaning like God remembered the promises that he'd made and God saw the people of Israel and God moved. Like this is wild because again, God does, isn't just aware of the stuff that's happening. God hears every single one of our prayers. He remembers all the promises he has ever made. He sees 
with us, and he like intimately knows what we're going through. So God isn't just like letting stuff happen and be like, eh, he'll take care of it. No, like, no, God knows exactly what we're going through, when we're going through it, and why we're going through it. But this is the second thing that we have to understand when it comes to like suffering or, or things like that are happening is that just because like bad things are happening in your life, just because you're going through a rough time, it doesn't mean it's because it's your fault. Okay? Again, let's look at Job. Job was the most like perfect holy guy in the entire, like in, in the whole story. To the fact where God like gives him a shadow. He's like, yeah, he's kind of my favorite. He's good. He's faithful. He's obedient. And all of the stuff that happens to him isn't because he had a sin issue. All the stuff that that he had to go through is not because he messed up. So, friends, like, I need you to know, like, just because you are going through a rough time, you have gone through a rough time or will go through a rough time, it doesn't mean it's because you messed up. Okay, this, again, is also uh, elsewhere in the Bible in, like, Genesis. uh, There's this guy named Joseph. Joseph, he had this coat of many colors and all that other cool stuff. Well, his brothers got really jealous, and then they sold his own brother into slavery. He got sold into slavery, got put into Egypt, and then uh, there he worked for uh, this guy, and then he was wrongly accused of something and was put in prison for years, like years. You want to talk about a, like a, a rough time in life, that kind of stuff. And what, what happened is that at the end of his life, when his brothers are like, oh, please don't kill us, here's what he says in, in Genesis 50 and the first part of verse 20. He says, as for you, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, here's what it doesn't mean. This is what this is what the Bible does not say. The Bible doesn't say, hey, like, I know you guys meant evil, but God flipped it so it can be good in the end. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, like, hey, you guys meant evil against me, but God was actually the one over it. And God actually did that for good. Did Joseph deserve that? No, absolutely not. Joseph didn't deserve that. But what happened was God's like, hey, I'm going to do this for your good. Even when we don't understand it. So here again, God knows what's going what's going on. He knows what's happening. And just because we're going through a rough time, it doesn't mean it's because we've sinned. But the third thing that we need to know is that sometimes it does. Sometimes we are going through a rough spot because we are only reaping the consequences of our bad decisions. Like, Jonah's a great example. Jonah disobeyed. God did the whole fish thing, spit him up. Like, that's a bad day. It's because Jonah disobeyed. So there are times when uh, bad things are happening because we're only getting the consequences of what we've done. Like, your speeding ticket is not persecution. Your speeding ticket is because you sinned. Just, just going to just throw that one out there, okay? So, guys, I'm, I'm saying all of this to say this, that we have to know that God is really the one in charge of everything. And because God is the one that's in charge, we have to know that when we pray, he actually does hear us. When when we are going through something, he sees us and he remembers what we've gone through. Like like he remembers the promises that he has made, being like, hey, I'm never gonna leave, I'm never gonna forsake. He remembers those promises. And the last thing is that like he knows what we're going through, okay? And so this is how Job starts. And then Job is a long book. And so for the next 37 chapters, 
37 chapters. He has these friends and he has his wife and they do a good job, honestly, to start with like comforting him. They'll be like, dude, yeah, this sucks. Like they cry with him, they sit with him and man, that's just good advice in general. If you have a friend that's hurting, that's really good advice just to sit and cry with them. But they don't do that forever. Instead, what they start doing is it starts to change. And his friends even go like, hey, so like God is perfect and God's just and God hates evil. And all of this evil is happening to you. So that probably means that you messed up, you did something wrong, and now God's just punishing you for it. So whatever you did, just ask God to forgive you, and then maybe God will stop. And Job's like, I, I didn't do anything. Like, what do you mean? Like, what? This is really bad advice. This isn't my fault. What's happening? It gets even worse to where his wife goes, hey, baby, um, you just need to curse God and die. That's how, that's how the wife re- responds. Just eventually is like, okay, I'm sick and tired of this. Just curse God and die. Get it over with. We'll be done. But here's, here's what happens. And actually, before we, we go into what Job actually does, if you've ever read the story of Job, if you're familiar with it, it's really easy to read it like this all happens in a couple of days. Like this is just a bad weekend. Like we don't know as the reader how long Job suffered for. Really, like it could have been a couple of days, but imagine what it would be like to suffer for years. Again, like this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like what do we do when life is super lifey and life is hard and we suffer for years? Here's what Job does. Job, in in the middle of all of this, in in chapter 13, this is what he says. Though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. Behold, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be in the right. Who is there who will contend with me? So what he does is he starts, he's like, hey, I'm going to build my case. If I could just get my time with God and I could just talk to him to his face, I'll explain, hey, you... You messed, you like, you picked the wrong guy. Like, I'm actually the good guy, and you, you should have picked the guy that actually deserves it. And he keeps going. In chapter 23, verse 4, it says, uh, Job says, hey, I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply, and I'd understand what he says to me. Like, would he use his great power to argue with me? Like, no. Like, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him, so I would be forever acquitted by my judge. So what he's saying, he's like, okay, if I could just, like, in a, in a courtroom, if I could just defend my case, if I could just plead my case, being like, God, can you please stop? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Like, that is what he's, he's trying to do. He's like, I just wish I could tell him that he messed up. He picked the wrong person. And, and friends, like, let's, let's make this super personal. Of course, none of us, I don't think, have probably ever said something like, man, if I could just tell God to his face, he was wrong. Like, of course, we don't treat God like that. We don't really probably say that. But instead, what we do is we, we almost treat God like Santa Claus, right? We treat God like Santa Claus. Like, if I can just do more good things than bad things, then I can get the blessings from him. Like, like if I, I just need to stop sinning this much and I start doing more good stuff, and then all my bad things will all go away. Or when, when something bad happens in your life, it's like, but God, 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 hey, like, I was in, my, in the Bible like seven out of seven days this week. Like, we're good. Like, my, my ratio is really good. So, can you stop? Like, can you fix this? Or can you, can you make this better? Like, all these things like that. Like, and of course, we don't, like, we don't say, God, like, 
you got it wrong, but we just almost treat God like he cares more about us doing more good things than bad things, and then everything else is just going to just figure itself out. So, Job, he's got his arguments, he's got his, his, his plans, he's got his questions, he's got all these things, and he's ready, he's, he's getting ready to, like, tell God, hey, here's my case. And what, what's crazy is in chapter 38, um, there, God does this crazy thing. And what happens is, and it's so sweet, God kind of, like, kneels down and he whispers, he's like, man, you're so right. You're so right. Like, man, Satan, this is, this wasn't even my fault. This is Satan's fault. Satan did all this stuff. He asked for permission and I gave it to him. But man, way to go. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you back all the things that ha- like that, I, that Satan took away. And I'm going to give it seven times what was taken from you. It's going to be an amazing story. Hey, you crushed it. Nice job by the way. Kevin's laughing because he's read the story, and that's not how it goes. In fact, he, God does the opposite. And this is the part where I need to take a time out, and I need you to know, if you are, like, currently going through something right now, like, you are, you're at the point where you're like, God, this sucks. Can you please make it stop? What, with whatever it is, if, if you're in that spot right now where you are suffering, like, life is not fun right now. This is not the most encouraging message for you. And you need to know that. Like what, what I'm about to say, like what we are going to see from God's word is not encouraging at all. And so if, if there is something where you're going through, like your family time, like the, the uh, small groups is going to be the best time to share that. So I don't want this to come across as callous and cold. And in fact, like it's hopefully the opposite. But we have to see what happens and how God responds. Chapter 38, chapter 39, chapter 40, and chapter 41, God sends this storm almost, and then in this like booming, thunderous voice, asks Job 64 questions in his prayer. And not a single time in any of those questions does God mention Satan, does God mention how it's all a test. God doesn't mention any of that. And instead, this is actually point number two. What does God do? God is big. And God shows off in these questions how big God is. God, God doesn't care. Like God not, literally is not concerned once with all the stuff that Satan did. Instead, he just kind of shows off who he is instead. And so we're going to see this. There's a couple verses, but we're going to get through these because this is, this is wild. I was like, man, like, how do I pick and choose? And, but we're just going to read a whole bunch. And this is what, this is what happens. Uh, so Job 38, um, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? It goes on in verse 8 and it says, Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? As I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in the thick darkness. For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Like, he's saying, like, the ocean is only where God says the ocean's supposed to be. And it keeps going. And it says, uh, yeah. 
have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight? Again, like God, he, he just, he's literally just, this is wild. Verse 17, do you know where the gates of death are located? I don't know. I don't know. Verse 19, where does light come from? Where does darkness go? Can you take each, can you take each to its home? Do you even know how to get there? But of course, you know all of this, for you were born before it was all created and you're so experienced. In, in the next couple of chapters, it even God is asking, again, picture this. Booming, thunderous, loud voice of God saying, hey, do you, do you, are you the one that tells lightning where to go? Are you the one that tells the constellations each season where to go in the sky? He says later, it's like, do you, are, can you make it rain? Do you know, like, this is the wildest part. This is like God's question. He asks, hey, do you know when wild goats give birth? He says, like, hey, can you tell your ox how to work? And then can you teach it how to gather grain and then bring it back when it's done? Here's the funny thing. He says, do you know why ostriches are so dumb? I did that. Like, no, like, literally, check it out. Read it. I encourage you to. Like, were you the one that made eagles to have the eyesight to be able to see the prey from so far and be able to hunt from that height? Like, these are the questions that God's asking. And then there's this break in chapter 40, and this is what it says. Like, God, he takes this break. He's like, you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critic, but do you have the answers? Job kind of gives this little answer. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, I messed up. And he doesn't even stop. Like, God keeps going for two more chapters. Like, I'm not talking about two more verses, two more chapters. Uh, Chapter 40, verse 8 and 10, it says, like, will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right. Put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. And it finishes with the God talking about, this thing called a behemoth and this thing called Leviathan that could be dinosaurs, they could be sea creatures with like black and silver eyes that I don't really know. But the, the thing though, that how God brings it up is he's like, can you tame those things like a pet and trust it with your kids? The whole point of this is being like us. Like that's who God is. And right now, every single one of us can, if you're going through something, you can pick between two things. You can either get angry at God and be like, if you're that powerful, why didn't you stop this? If you're so powerful, why did you let this happen? Or this can like melt your heart to where it's like, oh my gosh, God, you inherently know what you're doing. God is in charge and God is big. And this is where I'm, I, I gotta make sure I bring this back up. If you're hurting right now, like I don't want to read this and just be like, Suck it up. Get over it. Trust God. Like, that's, that's not what this is for. Because notice, God does not tell Job, get over it. In, in a way, he almost kind of does. But what God does is he doesn't, like, mention, oh, man, like, get over your problems. And that's not what I want this time to be. I don't want to be like, hey, get over your problems. You, you need to think of your problems less. In, in fact, the opposite is true, where God's like, hey, 
I'm not worried about the problems or needs you see. You're like, how big I am. Yeah, like the, the, the problems are real and we'll take care of it later. Like, yes, like anxiety is real. Yes, like having, like all being overly emotional is real. Like being depressed and stressed out over finals and having sibling issues and parent issues and the holidays are coming up and there's mixed expectations and there's there's all of these hurt and there's, there's all these things that I'm not diminishing them to being like, hey, it's not important. In fact, we're saying, hey, God's bigger than that. And that's how God handles this insecurity. Like God is in charge, but God is big. I couldn't think of a better word than big because it's true. Like God's just big. Like let, let's think about this. Like God not only created everything, like he created like all of the stars, he created all these things like that, but he's the one who's in charge of it. Like let, let's take this. Let's just stick, um, like pick on the stars for a second. How many stars do you think are in the universe? Whole universe, not just the galaxies. How many stars do you think are in the whole universe? Here's the number. Here's the number. This is roughly how many stars people assume, like, can do the math to kind of figure out. Anyone know what number that is? So there's a hundred, there's a thousand, there's a million, there's a billion, there's a trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, is that what it is? Sextillion, and then one septillion stars, roughly. And the universe is only getting bigger. Like, God keeps making stars, like, boop, boop, boop. Like, like he's, he's doing it for fun. Now, it's really easy to be like, oh, yeah, like, God's really big. Like, he can make all those stars, right? But it's something different when we actually grasp how big that number is. So let's, let's, let's break this down. How long ago do you think one million seconds was? One million seconds. You heard this? 11 days? Right on. Yeah, it was 11 days. 13 hours, 46 minutes, and 41, 42, 43, 44 seconds, right? What were you doing 11 days ago? You didn't know what 11 days was. It was like, I pull up the calendar, I don't know. That was November 26th. 12 Black Panthers, great night. That's 11 days ago. So that's a million seconds, no cheating. Uh, how, what about a billion seconds. A billion seconds. How long ago do you think a billion seconds was? This is guess. Are you just like brilliant in math? Ah, you bastard. It's it's 31 years, 31 and a half years. Who's older than 31? Who's got a teenager? We got three. There are three people older than 31. Yeah, so this is, so 31 and a half years ago, so that's June 6th, or June 7th, 1991. That's a billion years. Again, let's just put this in perspective. It's like, if if each second is a star, like, how big is, is, is God's universe that he made? What about a trillion years? Or not a trillion years, a trillion seconds. Let's just say seconds. How long ago was it a trillion seconds? trillion, that's just a trillion seconds. So if we're thinking of a star, we serve a big God. We serve a big God. 
God is a big God. He's in charge of all of it. And God, he keeps making all these stars, and, and he keeps doing all these things, and he's huge, and he's all-powerful, and all this stuff. And this is why we're talking about this. Because, like, we can't grasp how big of a deal Christmas is. Like, we can't grasp, like, man, like, God came down to the earth until we realize what does that mean for God, like, God in general, to give up all of perfection and all of heaven and how, all of how amazing heaven is to be born in a barn. This is, this is the wildest part about it. Like, God, who made all the stars, all septillion and, and counting, and he's made every single blade of grass, and he's made every single one of us. He's done all of that, and what did we do? We rebelled. It's this thing called sin. It's, it's, we have chosen, I want to serve me instead of a God over the septillion stars in the sky. And this is why Jesus had to come. This is the whole reason, like, because literally we have rebelled against God, and so then Jesus, he comes down to the earth, he gives up, like, his kingly crown. He sets it on the side. He's like, you know, I'm going to come down to the earth so I can serve the very people who are going to eventually kill me in a couple days. And this is the wildest thing. This is, this is the word that's called the gospel. We say it every single week. Like, it's the whole idea that God died for people who did not deserve it. Every single time that we rebel, every single time we, we, we tell God, I want to do what I want to do, every single time. God's like, you're only going further and further away from me. And so what does God do? He, he kind of bridges this gap, and he's like, hey, you know what? You can't pay for this sin, but I can. And that's why he died. And this is the wildest thing about it. He died for people like us who literally reject him every single day. And so here's what happens. God, he's like, hey, hey, hey. here's what I need. I'm going to pay for the sin, but this is how you can accept it. This is how you can receive the gift of forgiveness. I need you to do the hardest and the easiest thing possible. Surrender. It's this idea that we, we surrender our lives. We, we kind of, we say, hey, God, like, Jesus, you are the king. You are the king of everything. Like, not just the septillion stars, but of my life. God, whatever you want, it's all yours. Why? Because you are beyond worthy of it. This is what it means to start following Jesus. It's like, man, like, I'm going to follow Jesus. Why? Because he just deserves it. I'm not doing it so I can get in a better standing with God, so I can get more presents over the Christmas or anything like that. It's like, hey, I'm just going to follow Jesus because he loves me. And he loves us. And that is the crazy thing. Like, Jesus did all this stuff because he loved us. Not because he felt like he had to, because he wanted to. And so as we close, like, there's kind of a couple things that we can do. The first thing is if you have never, like, surrendered your life to King Jesus, like, you can do that tonight. Like, you can have a brand new, like, you could start a relationship with Jesus tonight. Like, when, when, when that happens, like, God is, is not out there just being like, no, I don't want you. In fact, just the opposite. He's like, yes, I died for you. Come here. That's the crazy thing about Jesus. And so if that's you, like, you can do that tonight. And I encourage you to talk to your connect group leader about that later on. But if you do know Jesus, if you are following after Jesus, there's kind of two things I want to, I'd love to ask you. How can you encourage other people to know Jesus? 
how can you kind of encourage them? How can you prep yourself? How can you prep your friends to be like, hey, it's going to suck soon. If it doesn't already suck, it's going to suck soon. But how can we still trust God? Yeah, God, you're really in control. In the last years, we've just learned that through our follow of Jesus, we can let that go. We can thank God and extend his love Father, saying I love you is like not even enough, and um, it's like super humbling. God, like you are in control. You you are in charge of everything, and you're so big. Like we, our brain, our brains can't even comprehend it, and we for sure can't even comprehend that you would die for the for the same rebels that you created. And so, God, I just pray that there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you like that, that they don't know you as their king and as their savior. God, I pray tonight would be the night that, God, for the people who, who are following after you with everything, I pray that we would just be more grateful this Christmas season, that we would, we would kind of sit back in awe of how amazing you are. But, God, I pray that we would be kind of just humbled by you and just knowing that, like, you really are in control.